How about now? Yes? No? Yes, is that better? Okay, there we go. Um, well, you might have been hearing me sing then. How embarrassing is that? Okay. Um, Real quickly before I forget, uh, if you don't know who Chuck and Diana Ryder are, it's okay. But they were one of the founding families back in in 2007 uh, when we started uh, this church campus. Uh, Diana has last Friday went home with the Lord. Actually, the Friday before that. Uh, And so uh, they live in, Chuck lives in Texas now. And so there's a card back there if you want to jot a little note to them. Uh, please do that, and we'll get that in the mail to them this week. But we wanted to mention that as well. Um, do you have a patience button? You know, we, met, we talked about patience a moment ago, about that one thing, that one issue, boy, if, it, if it, someone comes up and presses it, you're done. You have no patience. You have no tolerance for that at all. Uh, I have them. You know, um, I don't mind shopping, um, but... But I, I tend to walk fast, and, and so, you know, you kind of have a plan, you know, okay, go over, take care of the non-perishable things, and then we, we kind of go at Walmart, we kind of start at the dairy and work our way down, and, and there's always people who are walking like this, <laughs> together, right down the middle of the aisle, because they're the only one who exists in the universe. It's like... Uh, is, that, is that you? Is that you, Mark? Mark, go to one side or the other, okay? I mean, just, but it's like, excuse me, you know, and that's my button. Maybe you have your own patience but, button, um, but, and actually even, it, I've gotten better at driving. I understand, I, under, I get, if there's a big truck, it's going to be slow. Okay, that's fine. I could deal with that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic that we as a people, as a culture, were impatient with microwave ovens. Think, I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's, you know, when they first came out, it's like, wow, you could bake a potato in 10 minutes, but it's so long now. Uh, so we are, again, in the fruits of the Spirit, uh, about halfway through here. And as we've been saying... The way you get the fruit of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit, is you got to walk in the Spirit. And that means, that means we're obeying the Spirit of God. We're following Him. We're praying as the Word reveals stuff to us. As you were sharing earlier today, God, God helping you and correcting you and encouraging you. That, that means you're most likely walking in the Spirit as you're responding to that. Uh, it also has the idea and the assumption that we are humble, that we're saying, Spirit of God, what you want me to hear and understand, I'm going to do that. doesn't mean we're going to necessarily like it, but it, it's going to be something where we're going to be humble and say, I am going to follow you and go in the direction you want me to go. And in doing so, we're going to have that fruit. Patience is a fr- one of the fruits of the Spirit, and the, the Greek word is makrothumia, uh, and it means just that, patience. A little uh, older word would be forbearance. It could also mean long-tempered in the face of wrongs. So you're having patience with people. You don't take retaliation. Um, we're going to look at uh, just, uh, this is, first of all, in God's um, point of view at first, um, because God is patient. And if you don't think that, then read through the Old Testament, read through the New Testament. 
uh, he, he is the source of patience. So let's just a, briefly look at that because uh, we, um, we, we just want to see it from him. Uh, you can look at Romans 2, 4, that do we presume on the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience of God. He is long-suffering for that. The depth of our sin is so bad, yet he is patience with people to come to repentance, to come around, or entire people groups. Uh, he, he, you know, Paul later explains in that section of Romans, he, God is storing up wrath, but yet he's patient to the sinful and evil and the hypocritical. And I say, good thing. <laughs> I am so glad he is patient with my weaknesses. You could also look at, again, Romans 9, 22 and 24. Um, it talks about how God prepares vessels for destruction uh, and to, to show his patience. But I want to focus on a specific person, and that's the Apostle Paul. Because, let's face it, before Paul knew Christ, he was a jerk. Not this Paul. The Apostle Paul. Well, you might have been a jerk too, but we don't know. Uh, but the, he was awful. He was a persecutor of the church. And you see little hints in Paul's letter. Boy, there, there are things that, that he might have had regret in his life. Being a church persecutor was probably the biggest. He just, oh, I wish I didn't do that. But here's what he says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 1.16, as he's writing his young disciple, he said, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, and what he means by that, he says earlier in the, in the letter, he was the foremost, he was the greatest sinner ever. He's the worst sinner ever. Do you ever feel like you're the worst sinner ever? You're not. Paul is. And he says so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So as the foremost sinner... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So he was a jerk, the worst of sinners. No one then is beyond his grace. We might see people on the news or, or know others and you think they're too far gone. They're too far gone, but they're not. If Paul was the worst, he was redeemed as well. So uh, and he just praises God for his patience. God will bring discipline, but he never gets impatient with us. So, would you go? Would you hurry up and move? Now, he, again, he can encourage us. He can strengthen us and move us along. But God, indeed, is patience with us, even in our weaknesses. Second Peter, Peter responds to this as well. Similar idea uh, in verses uh, 3, 14, and 15. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. So again, as we're growing, and count the patience of the Lord as salvation. He is patience. We should be, as a, as a way of application, as a way of putting uh, the rubber meeting the road here, we should be thankful every day for God's patience. When we get offended at someone else's sin, or we, again, see things in the news or whatever, and it's offensive, remember, no one is more offended than God. And he's also offended 
not at the sin we're seeing, but our own sin. Yet he is patience. Patience with, for initial salvation. And even as believers, those what we call besetting sins, that stuff that we keep stumbling over, he's patient. He doesn't want us to live in that way, but he is patience. Um, so that's the patience of God. There, Briefly, just if you want to look it up later, Paul encourages Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 as, leader, as a leader in the church to be patient with uh, the people that he is shepherding. But let's focus our time on patience that we need to be faithful. Uh, and there's a couple verses for that. Uh, Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 says, each, We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He, the author of Hebrews is talking about the people who have kind of fallen away. They've abandoned the, their, their faith in following Christ. And he says, be patient for what God is doing to reach the end for ourselves. God will fulfill his promises. Uh, and I, I know I kind of rushed through those passages a little bit because I really would like us to camp on this next passage because it talks a lot about patience. Again, we're looking at what does it look like from James chapter 5, okay? So we have the patience of God, patience for leaders. But let's go ahead and let me read 5 through 11, and then we'll go back and explain what he means by that. So here's a command, James 5, 7 through 11, be patient. That's a command. Okay. So when you're impatient, that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll be patient. Yeah. But it's always a kind of a lousy idea, isn't it, to pray for patience? I mean, because once you do, it's like within seconds, you're going to have an opportunity to, to see that prayer answered. At least that's the way it is for me. But be patient, therefore, brothers, till when? Until the coming of the Lord. And he gives some examples here. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also, here it is again, same command, repeated, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He repeats that too. Again, we'll get into that. And then, but he goes on and he starts changing a little bit where we're supposed to be patient. He says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He's talking about the Old Testament prophets. Behold, we consider those who bless and remained steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So James is writing about two opportunities to be patient. One is in the coming of the Lord. When the Old Testament talks about Jesus coming soon, it's really a reference to the next thing. We are in what many people call a period of grace or the church age. The next thing to happen is the return of Jesus Christ, the next age. So it's coming soon. It's soon in, in God's eyes, in God's mind. We've been waiting a couple thousand years and we're still waiting. And maybe many people, and I agree, think he is 
uh, it's going to be, this, this may be these times. It seems like a long wait. And sometimes you're just thinking, Lord, please let it be today. And I don't know, sometimes you're, you're facing a, a bad project at work or students are facing a test. It's like, Jesus, this would be a great day for you to come so I don't have to fill in the blank. Um, but various pressures will test our patience. The wickedness of people and culture are going to have us just test that. We want, we want the, the Lord to come. But, you know, we have to also expect lost people to act like lost people. They are already under, really under judgment uh, and, and need rescuing more than criticism. In Romans 1, it says three times, God gave them over. God gave them over to the, the passions of their lust and their flesh and everything. So, of course, that's going to, to how they're going to ask, uh, act. But then we, we, again, point fingers at others, but we have to also point to ourselves and say, God, I'm sick of me. I am, have you ever thought that? I felt that. Just I am tired of me. I'm tired of the stuff I keep stumbling over, my failures, failures, others. Or maybe we're just tired of life's pressures, getting the bills paid, uh, you know, another thing's breaking on the car, uh, there, there's issues with family, failing health, and we're just saying, oh, Lord, come. Would you please restore everything? I was thinking this morning just what it's going to be like um, and I don't know if this is exactly true. I know it's going to be at least as good as creation was before the fall. I suspect it's even going to be gooder. It's going to be even better. You know, it was very good. It's going to be even very gooder than, than uh, that original creation. Because God is going to restore things to such a, a place. So James writes, look, here's an example. A farmer. A farmer. I, I, every, every year I grow uh, herbs. I got a little box and I, and I put my herbs in it. I am not a patient farmer because I'm out there the next day. Anything? You know, watering and so forth. Uh, and now finally, finally, I have stuff that's coming up. I have some, I have some green onions. I have cilantro. I have parsley. Uh, a savory, first time I ever planted that, finally coming up. And then also I'm finding the weeds and I'm pulling those things out. But what a farmer does is he's, he's just, I guess we would say what they would say maybe in, in the vernacular, he's just chill. He says, look, I do this every year. Every year I sow seeds. And every year it sprouts. You don't know what's going on underneath. And some seeds takes a while. You know, they have to be pretty deep. But he plants them, he waters them, or he waits for the rains. He says, every year, every year he does this. But seeds, by their nature, when they're put in the ground and they get water, are going to all of a sudden turn from dormant to alive. It just happens. It's a miracle of God. Where this dead sea turns into something now living. And the, but the farmer doesn't sweat it. It's like, how does, he's not, well, how does that happen? How does it happen? What wakes this seed up? He just does it. And sure enough, he goes, boy, I don't know about the rain. I remember getting too much rain, not enough rain. Uh, I don't know. And some years, of course, are better than others in terms of the harvest. 
But he just plants it and he leaves it there. And sure enough, one day, stuff starts to prop up. And it grows and it grows. The farmer doesn't see things that are happening. It's unknown. But he just says, look, it happens every year. So he says, be like that. Establish in your mind, remind yourself when it comes to the return of Christ, it will come. There's nothing that's going to stop Jesus from coming back. Just even more sure than the planting a seed and it's sprouting, even more sure is the coming of Christ. It is so solid of a future fact that it is a fact. He's coming back. He's promised. We can count on it. So even though things seem like they might be flying apart, he's coming. It is going indeed to happen, perhaps in, in our lifetime. It will happen. And there's lots of times where people waited, we see in Scripture. We, we dealt with Noah a few series ago when we were going through Genesis. Noah took a long time to build that ark. And there wasn't any rain, and he's getting a lot of flack from his neighbors and so forth. But he kept working on the ark, and sure enough, one day it started to rain. What was it, 120 years he had to wait. Think of Abraham. We also dealt with him. God promised him a child in his old age. He had to wait, I think it was 15 years. Come on, God. Come on. Not getting any younger here. But it was a promise, and God fulfilled it. Um, the other ones, these, these people are nameless, and they've always fascinated me. These are the people that lived under slavery in Egypt because they didn't have a scroll. They didn't have the Bible. They just had the stories handed down from, from generation to generation to generation. For 400 years, they waited to be re redeemed from slavery, and they just had the promises. They just had the stories that... Fathers passed on to their kids and mothers passed on to their babies. And then all of a sudden Moses shows up. But we don't know their names, but they were waiting for deliverance. Later on, under the, the kingdom of Judah, they were brought into exile. They had to live in exile. And that's where we get the books of Daniel and Ezekiel and so forth. And, and um, not Ruth, Esther. Those books, we get the, the stories of how they had to live in another nation for 70 years, which meant some people were not going to go back. They, you know, they might have been a child when they were carried off into exile, and then they would be much older by the time they go back. But regardless, as we're waiting for Christ, you know, 2,000 years now, it, it's going to seem short once it happens. Our job, so what do we do until then? Our job is to represent Jesus well until then and to speak forth for him. So that's the first thing that James talked about is, look, be patient. Be patient with Jesus. It's as good as done. He's coming back. But then he goes on a little bit about patience with one another. And patience is like the other fruit of the Spirit is that it's expressed in community. If we're just home all by ourselves, you're not really impatient with anyone. Again, maybe you're microwave, but if, if we, we have to be in community to be patient with one another. So James explains how that looks when we are walking in the Spirit. He first of all says, 
Don't grumble against one another. That's, that's impatience, to be grumbling against one another. Don't do that. The trouble we have today that makes that even worse is this thing called social media. Please don't grumble against one another on social media. I know sometimes I will grumble about some business or something, but don't grumble against one another public like that. It's, it's not right. I mean, we shouldn't do it anyway, but it just magnifies it or gossip or complain uh, against one another. And he says, when it comes to patience with one another, he says, model yourselves like the prophets. Now, Old Testament prophets might seem like a glamorous kind of job. It was a very difficult job. The Old, the Old Testament prophets had to preach messages that people didn't want to hear. Imagine being Isaiah. Isaiah is uh, one of the few times where you get this vision of the throne room of God in Isaiah chapter 6. And it's amazing. In fact, Isaiah falls down on his face. He sees all the, the cherubim and they're singing holy, holy, holy to the Lord. And what a privilege and honor for him. And you think, wow, that would be neat to see that. And he cries out, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm a man of unclean lips uh, because of my sin. And God heals him of his sins. And then God says, we need someone to speak through us. And Isaiah, you're going to see it in his excitement. Here I am, send me. You know, ooh, ooh, send me God and I'll do it. Because he's been cleansed and he's had this great vision. And God says, great, Isaiah, go preach this message. But here's what you need to know. No one's going to hear you. No one's going to listen to you. You'll keep preaching for years and no one will listen to you. Boy, that would be discouraging, wouldn't it? Well, and so Isaiah's thinking about this. Okay, there's not a lot of fruit that's going to come out of this job. And he says, how long? <laughs> that makes sense. Keep preaching, keep giving my message. How long do I have to do that? Maybe once? No, your whole life. Isaiah actually had a very difficult time. He, God commanded him to name his children at, at names that refer to judgments. He, his one child was, has the, oldest, the longest name in Scripture. It's Meir Halashalahashbash, if you wanted to write that down. It mean, and it means not my people. Not my people. So his very child was this, hey, not my people, come in, it's time for dinner, was a testimony to the nation that they were not following the Lord anymore. It was a very dark time for Israel. He remained faithful, though, to the message, and he remained faithful as a preacher. He just didn't say, forget it, I'm done with you people. He kept preaching. God also called Isaiah to do some uh, uh, what we call object lessons. 
And some of them were okay where they weren't necessarily embarrassing where he's, he had to wear a sash and he buried it and it kind of got spoiled and all messed up. And, you know, I was cleaning out my garage and I found a, a towel that was, ew, gross. I'm not even going to wash that. Throw it away. Same thing with this sash that Isaiah wore. He, he buried it. It was ruined. He says, this is, this is you, Israel. You're ruined. <sighs> He also, for three years, was told by God to walk around naked. And this wasn't even a prophecy against Israel, Judah. It was regarding Egypt. And imagine, I mentioned his kids. Imagine, is that your dad? Who walks around? Yeah, that's my dad. God told him to do that. But that's what he had to do. He was faithful for three years. He had to be embarrassed in that way. They would be unpopular. Another one was Ezekiel. He was faithful and was patient. Where uh, God told him to make a model of the city of Jerusalem. And do this publicly. And so he made this little model of Jerusalem. And he says, now Ezekiel, I want you to lay down on your, I think it was his right side. Lay down next to this model on your right. So Ezekiel does it. It's like, well, how long? Just today? No. 360 days. That's your job, buddy. Now I'm sure he could get up and go to sleep and you know, eat and you know, go to the restroom and all that other stuff he would need to do. But every day publicly he's supposed to lay down. Because what God was saying is there would be a siege against Jerusalem. And then so finally the 360 days are done and God says, great, now lay on your other side for 40 more. 400 days he did that. That's patience. But see, it's also not just patience and long-suffering, it's also faithfulness. They knew they wouldn't be heard or heeded. They would warn of impending danger only to be ignored and they knew they'd be unsuccessful right from the start. And then finally James says, when it comes, so, so be like that with one another. Be like the prophets. Keep doing what I tell you to do. Don't be discouraged. Keep being faithful with what you are learning and telling others about it. Being, as we said earlier, that living stone. Then finally he says, also model yourself after Job. The patience of Job. I don't know if you've ever heard that exp- explanation. Lost everything. Lost his wealth. Lost his home. Lost his family. And his wife. He still had his wife, but she was pretty bitter by the whole experience. So Job is sitting on a pile of ashes. He also lost his health, scraping his boils, which doesn't sound that attractive. And then he had cruddy friends on top of it all. How long did he sit there on a pile of ashes scraping his sores? It's hard to say. It's not, it's, the Bible's just not real specific, but at least, we're talking maybe months of that kind of daily, daily suffering. His loss was horrific. The grief that he had to process was horrible. But through it all, he, didn't, he trusted God. He was patient. We have to remember God's compassion and his mercy as Job did. Even when we're being difficult, it requires patience for us to be with one another. 
Because at some point, we're going to bug each other. It just happens. You think, you think of a newly married couple, and they get married, and, and they're in that real romantic phase, and it's just all squishy and exciting and wonderful. And then, usually, maybe before that, but statistically, it's around year three where something happens. This couple that was just, oh, just wonderfully in love, there's a little thing where they just pop each other the wrong way. Could happen earlier. Could happen the first week, actually, of their marriage as well. It's the same true in a church. We will, at some point, try each other's patience. It just will. In, in this game of baseball, the minimum number of pitches, the minimum number of pitches is 27. Most teams pitch about 150. So with, with two teams, you have 300 pitches. You know what sometimes happens? Someone gets hit by a pitch. Sometimes it's on purpose, which is why I hate the, de- the designated hitter, because that pitcher's never going to have to face another pitcher. But that's another story. It happens. And the, the, the lower, I mean, obviously it doesn't happen as much in the pros, but as you go down through college and, and the farm system and college and high school, it happens even more. When I was coaching kids, we did what's called coach pitch. We had it even, a, it looked like a baseball, but it was soft. And once in a while, I plunked a kid. You know, and you end up pitching like three feet off the plate because you feel bad about it. But it happens. doesn't mean it's right. It just happens. The same is true when you get a group of people or even two people together. At some point, they're going to clash. Be patient with one another. When we remember that we, first of all, are all in process. There are gonna be, we're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. We don't express that rage, as I said earlier, publicly. And B, be part of their solution. Be part of the, not just being a critic but, uh, of them, but helping them. Maybe they're going through a difficult time. It's happened to me more than once where someone's really on the outside looking like they're just blowing life up. They're not doing well. They're making a lot of bad choices. And then just with a little bit of patience, you dig down and went, oh my goodness, they are really suffering. And the reason why they are, they are, they are, they are so tense with each other, well, something deep's going on. And that allows us to step in. How do we do that? How do we have patience even with people that walk slow at Walmart? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. goes all the way back to that. We already have His presence, and He's already here. So just having that connection with Him. He's a real person. He's a real being. He's not a Star Wars force, but He is available for us to display that fruit. Let's spend some time praying together regarding patience. And just a couple things. Maybe you just want to thank the Lord 
for his patience. Say, Lord, thank you for your patience, especially when I, and you could fill in the blank. Or maybe you're thinking, I have my little patience button, and you want to say, God, I pray for patience when. Or if you're waiting for Christ to come, and you just want to make it your, actually it's two-sentence prayer here, even so come, Lord Jesus, may we represent you well until then. So if you'd like to pray out loud, as always, we, we take this time to pause and to pray. I invite you to do that. And then um, I'll have a few announcements for you as well. Lord God, your patience for me is like, is like the Niagara Falls compared to a few drops that I need to be to others. You have overwhelmed me with your patience. And so, and Lord, you are the, you epitomize this. You're the personification of patience. We, we, we see that in our weaknesses, both as groups and as individuals. And so, God, we stop and stand amazed uh, at what you have done, waited and waited, uh, uh, waited till we came to you, waited to grow and to get past that maturity of, of just milk and then going on into solid foods. Lord, we are patient with little kids to grow. We don't expect a, a two-year-old to get a job but Lord, you are patient with us too. And to grow and to become more and more conformed to the image of Christ. God, I pray for us as a group of people, as a family of God, that we would be patient like the prophets were. That even, even when we kind of struggle through the same things over and over again, we would be walking in your spirit to have that patience that uh, extends to one another. Lord, for those those among us and or other friends and family who aren't um, in this room or, or that we know at work or, or others as well, Lord, there, is a, uh, there, there are often stories deeper than their, than their bad decisions and the things that they are doing. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you would fill us with that uh, and express that patience so we would show them grace and mercy and help them in their struggles and to encourage them to do uh, 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 to, to, to trust you for what you are doing in their lives. Oh, God, thank you for the unlimitedness of your patience. In your name, amen. All righty. Hey, uh, a few things today. Uh, there is a, uh, today it's the last, uh, again, it's not earth shattering or anything, but this is the last Sunday of our, of our budget year. And so we're, we've asked you to review that. I had a few questions. appreciate those. And so if you are a, a covenant member, we have ballots back there. If you want to, if, if both husband and wife agree, you could use one uh, ballot or do separate ones. It doesn't matter. Um, but please make sure before you leave, you let us know your feedback on the budget so um, we can start that come July 1st uh, and use that as kind of our guide for our finances. Well, once we get, once they get everything in and do all the pluses and minuses, probably later in July, Tom and I could probably give some a report to you to where we stand and how we did for the entire year. So we want to be able to uh, give that information to you. But please make sure you take care of that before you leave today. A couple other things. Um, the, in 
uh, July, there's a, a camp, and we, uh, there's, I don't, some of you know this, but a person donated what, what started with just a few scholarships uh, for what's called Word of Life Camp. It's for, um, I think it's just high school? No, I forget. Or is it junior high and high school? Junior high, okay, junior high and high school kids where they can go to Word of Life. It's, in, uh, it's up in New York. It's a week long, and it's, it's top of the line. It's, it's almost $500 a, a student. Well, it started with just a few people, and this person said, you know what? God's leading me to open it up to whoever wants to go. And so we made it available here, made it available on the other campuses. We have 50 kids from Zion uh, or related to Zion going to Word of Life. And so we're, we're excited about that uh, for them. And so the, I think it's the Monday, so July 3rd, I'll give you some details as it's firming up a little bit, but we're hoping to have uh, some, uh, our three campuses be praying for that week for the students. So just pencil that in July 3rd right now. We might be meeting or, or have some other way to do that. And then mention the return of Christ. And there's a lot of people, me included, have been saying, this might be it. We very well may be in the last days. And so there's a lot of questions about that. Uh, and what that, means for, what that means for us, how we're, to, how we're to live, and if in fact these are the last days before uh, Jesus comes back and how long they may be. There's some things about, well, how do we know? What are some of the signs? What should we expect from the Word of God? So on July 16th, that's a Sunday, uh, we're, I'm encouraging anyone wants to come, bring a dish to share. We'll have a potluck. There are some videos we're going to watch, and they're pretty much just to get our conversation going. And, but they'll give us some instruction from the Word, and then also, well, how do we know? Why are people saying the time is near? Because uh, there are also some signs with that. But uh, So July 16th, uh, Sunday afternoon, come and join us and share a meal with us. And we'll, it'll, be, it'll be a few hours, um, I would suspect. So about noon, I, boy, three would be a long time. Uh, but we'll break as well. But hopefully we'll be done, you know, 2, 2.30. But we'll go as far as we need because we'll have time for a discussion and everything. So that's what we'll do at that time. Well, let's continue in our worship.